0: The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2. Hello and welcome to the Women's Football Podcast. I'm Luke Edwards. Thank you very much for joining us. And we are in association with Her Game 2. Make sure you give them a follow as well, doing a lot of great work. This is the podcast that looks at the women's game from the Champions League to the National League and beyond. And it's been another packed week this week. Lots to get through. Uh Joining us to look over everything, we have Megan Garbett. Hello, Megan. Hello. She has lots to talk about, both from last night and over the weekend. And uh, back with us, I'm delighted to say, is David Astle. Hello, David. Hello, you all right? Hello, you right. right? I'm very well, thank you. And We're just going to get straight into it. We're going to go all the way back to Thursday, where Chelsea had travelled to the Camp Nou for the second leg against Barcelona. Emma Hayes' side trailed 1-0 from the first leg, and it felt like the Barca dominated for the majority of this game as well. Chelsea seemed content to sit back. They went further behind Chelsea when Caroline Graham-Hansen opened the scoring to make it 1-0 in the night, 2-0 on aggregate. That was after 63 minutes. Gourra right, in he just four minutes later, but he couldn't grab another goal and force extra time. Chelsea though, in the second leg, they seemed to be caught between attacking and defending a little bit, were not they?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I I think you're right to say Barcelona dominated dominated the game. I, I thought, you know, people people saying Chelsea Chelsea did really well to contain them. They did, but I think ultimately Barcelona had the chances, and and I think they were always going to go and 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 um, score the goal that they did. Um, Chelsea did well to get back into the
0: game but yeah I think Caroline Graham Hansen was the best player on the pitch so if anyone's going to score the goal it was her. So Megan were you expecting more from, from Chelsea as, as we mentioned Barca were pretty much on top in terms of possession for the majority of the two legs weren't they?
2: I mean obviously it was kind of still all to play for from the first leg it wasn't like there was a massive scoreline in it so I really thought you know, even though the quality that Barcelona have, I thought you know Chelsea could do it. And I think in that second half they kind of did pick up a bit. Maybe a bit too late on in the game that they started, you know, finding their rhythm and stuff. But you no, know, when you've got players on the pitch that Barcelona do, they're always going to come up with those moments of quality. And ultimately, they deserve to be in the final.
0: Do you know what? The worryingly for everyone else, Barca have got to this stage without Jenny Himozo and Alexia Pateas. Pateas is back on the bench. For this game so you'd fancy that she'll get some game time in before the final as well and that'll just make him even more stronger won't it
2: oh that'll be ridiculous I mean they've not had her for you know almost a year now and you know they've still made it to a Champions League final so I mean that's credit to them for not having to use her and having to you know play different formations play different people in that position but yeah, it's going to be scary when she, you know, gets proper game time and starts games again.
0: Yeah, I think Barcelona only lost one game this season, both domestically and in the Champions League. That was away at Bayern Munich in the group stage. So, yeah, it's just uh, it's going to be a interesting final. But who would they play? It was Arsenal who hosted Wolfsburg in the second leg of the other semi-final at the Emirates in front of just over 60,000 it was a topsy-turvy game. Steiner Blackstenius had Arsenal ahead. Former gunner Jill Road had Wolfsburg at level, firing him from the edge of the area. And it was a really tense second half. I was on the edge of my seat watching it. It was a really interesting game. Uh, Arsenal had a tight offside call goal against them with the intervention of VAR right at the start of the second half. It looked like Blackstenius had put them back ahead. But that goal was ruled out. And the German side did go ahead again when Alex Popp headed home a corner. And it looked like a fairy tale was being written when Jem Beattie, who we know she's had all those problems, hasn't she, off the field in terms of illness, she headed home an equaliser. So the game went to extra time. Wolfsburg won the tie as Lottie my had her pocket picked and the ball was laid off for substitute Pauline Bramer to slide home to break Arsenal's hearts. Uh, Megan, you were there, you got your Arsenal shirt on, you've been sobbing into it all evening. Unfortunately, they just came up short in, in a brilliant game.
2: I mean, what a game to be at and what, a, you know, for the neutrals, what an incredible game. Um, considering, you know, the injuries we've had this season, the challenges we've faced, we pretty much went toe-to-toe with Wolfsburg across two legs of football. And, you know, the heart and desire that we showed last night I think it was absolutely incredible. Jonas said in his uh, post-match press conference that, yes, we're allowed to hurt from this game, but we're allowed to be incredibly proud as well because that was just such an incredible game of football. Just the ball going one end of the pitch, then the other, and, you know, chance after chance for both sides. Just such an exciting game to watch. Do
0: you feel, Megan, though, and David, you can both answer this if you want as well, that it felt like it was one game too far for them without the likes of Williamson, Mead and Meadema. You felt like they did have those three that Arsenal probably would be in the final now.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say that. I think, you know, Williamson, Mead, Meadema, and, you know, Kim Little as well, they're probably the, you know, the most experienced players that we have in our squad. And, you know, when you don't have them, you are going to have to come up with different solutions to things. And you know, as I've just mentioned before we started the podcast, I thought lotta Woodburn Moy had an absolutely incredible game, and unfortunately, you know, was pickpocketed at the end and gave the ball away for Bremer to you know easily tap it into the back of the net. But, yeah, I think to get over those hurdles, you do need you know a full strength squad there, and that we didn't have that
1: yeah, and it does kind of kind of. Lead towards the the WSL title race, is not it? And you're missing so many players, and you kind of think without those players, they're in fourth place at the moment. I know they've still got, I think they've still got games to play in hand, but you you kind of think, is it going to be just one step too far without those players now, just to get to the top three and to get back into the Champions League? Difficult times for Arsenal.
0: Yeah, of course, because they've slipped away in the league a little bit. They can fully focus on that though, and still probably have a say as well in the title race. Uh, so, it's Wolfsburg who take on Barcelona in the final. Do you think they have a chance?
1: It's, it's going to be a good final. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think both teams have probably got, you know, the, I mean, they are the two of the best teams in Europe. So, ultimately, going head to head, it's going to come down to who's better on the day. Um, it's, I think it's going to be a tough one to call, to be honest. I mean, normally you say Barcelona, but I think Wolfsburg are one of those teams that could cause um, Barcelona quite a few problems. And their best bet now is to go and watch how Bayern played against Barcelona and see if they can learn anything from that in terms of how Bayern tactically set it up and things like that. Um, but they've got the players. They're more than capable of going to challenge Barcelona and they're more than capable of going to win it.
0: And of course, as well, Wolfsburg are top of the Bundesliga, so they're actually better than Bayern, which says a lot. But Megan, as well, the thing about Wolfsburg is it is the character they've shown, haven't they? They looked down and out a couple of times, didn't they? But... They seem to. One thing they have got is a lot of resolve, haven't they?
2: Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, in the first leg against Arsenal, obviously, they, they were 2 up and they conceded the two goals. Obviously, that they sort of dropped their heads a bit in that first leg. But, I mean, the quality that they have, especially in the attacking players. I mean, you know, Alexandra Pop wasn't available in the first leg and then she pops up with a goal in the second leg. I think, you know, how they can tactically set up against Barcelona will be interesting to see. I think they've got a lot of, you know, different ways in which they could set up, but you know, if Alexandra pops going to be there, she can pop up with a goal at any time, whatever the situation in the game may be.
0: I do like how you keep saying pops popping up as well, that's quite good. Uh, good. good. I, I did
1: notice the deliberate or not deliberate puns that you're both making there with pop popping up to score goals,
2: that was unintentional from me. <laughs>
0: Anyway, domestically, the WSL action started on Friday night as Aston Villa hosted league leaders Manchester United. This was another brilliant game as well. And it was looking like United would be caraballed as Rachel Daly's two goals, sandwiched between Aliyah got and equaliser, had Villa ahead at half-time. Nikita Paris got a second equaliser. And then Millie Turner headed home in stoppage time to keep United top of the league um, and Megan, there was a massive moment in that game, wasn't there, when Rachel Daly hit the bar at 2-1. That could have really been a game-changer. could have been game over for United.
2: Oh, yeah, completely. I mean, going into that game, I did think that Villa could get a result against United. And for the most part of the game, it looked like it was going to go that way. And, you know, must have been heartbreaking for Daly. You know, she, she really wanted that hat-trick. But, I mean... The character that United have shown in these past few games obviously holding on to that 1-0 win against Arsenal uh, beating Brighton in the FA Cup semi-final you know by very tight margins and then that game for Millie Turner to head home when she did it just shows that you know they they really want to try and win this WSL and you know we've got a few games left to go but Yeah, Carla Ball nearly came into fruition there in that game. But no, both teams, absolutely incredible games to watch.
0: It's funny, Megan, you say about these recent results. It's led me nicely to the next question in terms of how big a result was this for United? And, And dare we say it, are they doing over the last few weeks what champions do?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I was saying to someone that last season the players kind of didn't play with the desire, they, they didn't have the beliefs in themselves that they could, you know, get results and, you know, get results against, you know, big sides as well. But, I mean, this season has completely changed for United and I think everyone's realising how much they've come on in such a short space of time and, you know, they they really are a force to be reckoned with now and people may say that, you know, Chelsea are still going to win it, but you never know. You never know what's going to happen in these last few games of the season.
0: And David, there's a really interesting piece by... Uh... Catherine Batty in the Daily Mail about um, how United now have got to be, the board have really got to back them, you know, try and keep those key players. I think on a battler is a bit of a, well, a lose, to excuse the pun, a losing battle in terms of keeping her. But you've got to tie down the, the key players. And also Mark Skinner's out of contract as well in the summer. So, again, that's really important because if they do win the league, they don't want that team to then just be broken up, did they?
1: No, 100% they don't, because if he gets to the Champions League, they're going to need these types of players. And if they don't have them, it's going to be hard to replace them. But I think, um, I think Mark Skinner deserves some credit, quite a lot of credit, because as he's...
0: And he doesn't seem to get as much, certainly from the fan base, does he?
1: He doesn't. And I think, you know, there are some bits that are justified, like his lack of rotation, which is leading to a couple of players either not getting game time or getting injured because they're playing too much or things like that. But at the same time, whatever he's doing is picking up these results. And, and I was reading an interesting piece literally about 10, 15 minutes ago, which a couple of, of points kind of stood out to me. First of all, it, you know, it's a sign of champions when they can win when not playing at their best. And let's be honest, Manchester United, for all their their good results, the performances haven't really been immaculate. They've had moments here and there, like against Villa, when you know, defending was a little bit all over the place. Earlier in the season, they've been a little bit all over the place as well. But they've still got these results. And the second point was that Millie Turner has form when it comes to set pieces. So, he, so Mark Skinner knows his squad. He knows who to bring on when, when it comes to games like against Villa, when it was going to come down to winning a set piece. Because, you know, and, and you know he, brought, he, he was brave in, in the way that he made his substitutions. And, um, you know, for, for that reason, as I say, he might have got some criticism and justifiably so. But at the same time, he, he deserves a lot of credit for getting Manchester United to where they are.
0: And I saw Millie Turner celebrate as well by getting a brand new car. She was thanking her sponsors on, on Instagram. But just going back to, to Villa, Megan, they, they have been really impressive this season. they probably one of the most improved teams. Uh, they've just come up slightly short against the bigger teams though, at, at times this season, haven't they?
2: Yeah, I mean, apart from the top four, I think, you know, Villa are kind of that team that are, you know, hoping to push to kind of be like that in a few years' time. But I think, you know, when they brought Rachel Daly in the summer, we knew the quality that she has up front, despite being a left back, apparently, as well. Rachel Daly's still challenging Bunny Shaw for the golden boot. That's not over yet. And, you know, in January, they brought in Jordan Knobs, still breaks my heart. Um, Lucy Staniforth, that midfield is absolutely incredible. And they've also got quite a bit of squad depth as well. But as Carl, I think Carla said, obviously, Kirsty Hansen wasn't available for uh, the game, obviously, because she was a, you know, they, they tried something different and, and it worked for the majority of the game. But yeah, I think a few more additions and Villa will be definitely a force to be reckoned with in the future.
0: Now, it was a big weekend down at the bottom of the WSL on Saturday. Leicester thumped Liverpool 4-0 to move back off the bottom. The Foxes were flying in the first half as Josie Green's deflected effort and then another deflected effort, and Carrie Jones had them 2-0 up after 21 minutes. Ashley Prompture added a third, three minutes into the second half, and Missy Goodwin sealed the deal in the sixth minute of injury time. David, you were there, and I think most people would have expected Leicester to maybe get something, but certainly not by that margin.
1: They no, completely agree. I think the result almost took everyone a bit su- by surprise. Um, um yeah, like you said, I was sat in the stands, I watched the whole thing live, and and it was it was a great game, first and foremost but uh, Leicester were hugely uh, good for the win. Um, it wasn't a fluke result by any stage. They were that good. Um, what really impressed me was their rotations in, in the forward areas, you know, um, with uh, Hannah Kane, who I thought was really good, Missy Goodwin when she came on, Carrie Jones, Aileen Whelan, and Rebby Seamson, and all four of them, and and say Goodwin as well when she came on, were sort of moving around and changing positions all the time, so it... it it kind of manipulated Liverpool into leaving the defensive gaps open, which allowed them uh, Leicester to then create their chances. And at the back, I thought Sophie Howard was really good. She marshalled the defence really well. Courtney Nevin had a best best performance in the Leicester shirt for me. Um, but I think what Leicester did really well is that they just stuck to their game plan and they they used Liverpool's weaknesses against them. So when Liverpool's fullbacks went up the pitch, Leicester used the spaces they were leaving open. So Emma Coy Vista was constantly being exploited behind her. Um, And the same on the other side as well. So Leicester were really, really good. Liverpool were as bad as I've seen them play for a a long time because Liverpool have actually had some good performances, even though they haven't been getting the results. But that wasn't a good performance for Liverpool.
0: Well, you were at the 6-0 of the Man United game, David, clearly because they were pretty bad in that one as well. But um, Willie Kirk said afterwards that he felt the players are responding really well to the pressures. Of being a bottom. I mean, even even when he came in, he weren't quite getting the results, but the performances were there. And now they seeming like the team out the three that are going to pull away, aren't they?
1: Yeah, hugely. And I think because Willie Kirk's got a very clear idea of how he wants to play. And it's it's similar to the style that he had at Everton, in that he likes to to attack down the wings, he likes to use the striker almost to, to kind of pull back towards the midfield to get on the ball, create the spaces in behind. And that's what we're now seeing at Leicester with like Hannah Kane and Carrie Jones and um, whoever getting on the ball and, and moving in behind, um, and I think that that's you know, the players have really bought into that. And like you said, they weren't getting the results, but the performances were there, and you could see the signs of the fact that they were buying into what he was trying to do. and And now they're getting the results, and and I do fancy them to stay up.
0: Yeah, somebody else who's coming and improved performances immensely is Mel Phillips at Brighton, and they picked up. A vital point at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium as well on Saturday. Elizabeth Turland did give Brighton the lead after only 10 minutes, but Beth England levelled soon after. Lee Gunmin took a to long-range shot past Rebecca Spencer to restore the lead for the Seagulls. But England was on hand once again to power an effort, past Lydia Williams and salvage a draw. But Megan, another big point for Brighton that, wasn't it?
2: I think I speak for everyone when you know Mel Phillips is an incredible, you know, a person, an incredible coach. So so hopefully in regards to that, you know, she can keep them up. But Bethany England does what Bethany England does and pops up with goals when she needs to and when her team needs her. And obviously Spurs have massively struggled in that area this season. And obviously they brought her in. She wanted the game time. She's got the game time and she's getting the goals. Obviously she's still not quite getting into that England squad, which is what she'd hoped when she moved. But... You know, a, a draw down the bottom of the table is is always tasty, right at the end of the season. So, let's just see what happens next.
0: I'm laughing, Megan, because I'm not showing you the script, but you're kind of prompting. Are you answering the questions I've already written down? Which is <laughs> which is really good because uh, I, I basically I was going to say she seems to be single handedly keeping Spurs out of trouble. She's already scored eight goals, uh, and she's been a massive signing for them, hasn't she?
2: Oh yeah, massive. I mean. You know, there's been a bit going on behind the scenes. Not sure completely what's been going on, but obviously they've been struggling and they needed that goal scorer. And fortunately for them, England wanted the move from Chelsea because she wasn't getting the game time she deserved. And, you know, she's kind of slotted in perfectly, really. So it's really good for Spurs. Let's see if they can stay up.
0: And it's interesting as well that you mentioned that she she left Chelsea to try and get into that England squad and get regular game time at Spurs. So... She's making a really good fist at getting into that World Cup squad, isn't she? Especially with with some injuries knocking about.
2: I think so, yeah. Obviously, you've got Alessia Russo, who will probably be the starting striker at the World Cup. And then you've got Rachel Daly. I mean, they might kind of rotate, but, you know, you've she went to the Euros and I don't think she played a minute, but you surely you've got to take her on the basis of how she's done at Spurs. And, you know, she's got to be there in case you need her sort of thing. You, you've got... You've got the number of players that you can take, so why not take her when you've got injuries in other areas and you might not have players in those areas that you want to take?
0: So that leaves Reading then. They look like they might cause an upset when Sunny Trollsgaard gave the Royals the lead in the very first minute at Manchester City. But then Chloe Kelly equalised and Bunny Shaw scored her 18th goal of the season, rising to heading from a corner. And she became the outright top scorer in the WSL. Lauren Hemp and then Steph Horton scored after the break to seal a comfortable win. Now, Reading are bottom, David, but they always seem to find a way of surviving. But will they this season?
1: Yeah, they do. Um I think Kelly Chambers is is a really, really good manager and she knows because Reading have been sort of there or thereabouts in lots of seasons. So she knows how to deal with this situation. Having said that, they do seem to have slipped a little bit further than they normally do. And I don't, I don't recall them ever being bottom at this stage of the season before they're normally sort of maybe second or third bottom and looking like they're going to stay up and then uh, move forwards. But they obviously don't. Um, But yeah, I mean, It was always going to be a a tall order for them to get anything at the weekend against Manchester City because Manchester City have been so rampant in terms of their finishing ability. And you know, when you put Kelly Hemp Shaw against that Reading defense, you you really don't don't fancy Reading to hold out against them. And and so it proved. Will Reading stay up? Tough to see. Tough to
0: see. But it is good though, Megan, isn't it? As a neutral to see such a a tight relegation battle this season. Norman is one team that's always cast adrift, isn't there?
2: Oh, 100%. I mean, even for fans of the teams at the top, it's, you know, interesting, exactly like it is in the men's Premier League this season. It could go down to the last day of the season and it could may well be the case here. And, you know, it just makes for more of an exciting league. And obviously that kind of is where people say, oh, can we expand the league to make it even more competitive? But that's a complete complete other conversation in itself.
0: We're going to move on and look at the championship next. You probably think you're pretty good at multitasking behind the wheel. I mean, you have to multitask to drive. So what's wrong with checking your phone? The thing is, your brain simply doesn't work. Even a quick The for quick reply affects your concentration and makes you less able to react to hazards. If you use a mobile phone while driving, you're four times more likely to crash. Think. Put your phone away. The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2. And in the Championship, as we mentioned last week, Bristol City wrapped up the Championship. And they finished with a 2-0 defeat at Birmingham City, who, if it had gone on for a couple more weeks, could have really challenged them for the title. Uh, it was seven straight wins for Birmingham City as they beat Bristol City by two goals to nil. Louise Quinn and Charlie Devlin with the goals, and they finish just a point behind Bristol City in the end. And and Graham Falk, fender of the podcast, announced on Twitter that they um they managed to tie down Jade Jade Penick as well for next season. So she's going to be made one of the highest paid players at the club. So good news for her. And Birmingham, we're looking to push on next season. And, and David, quickly on that. I mean, again, really good title race in the in the championship this season
1: very very good um it it kind of ebbed and flowed a little bit didn't it it was kind of we thought london city might do it then bristol seemed to come back then they sort of played each other and knocked each other out a little bit and then one went above the other it it kind of just went one way then the other then and kept changing it was really really good and then of course you had teams like birmingham who came in and said you know hang on it's not just you two we're here too and they made it exciting in terms of making it almost a three-horse race as well Yeah, it was a really exciting race, but obviously Bristol managed to hold out in the end.
0: Coventry will be playing in the National League next season, as we knew a few weeks ago. They finished the season being thumped 9-0 by London City. Jamie Lee Napier with a hat-trick. London City finished third, just three points behind Bristol City and two behind Birmingham. Sheffield United's strong finish to the season. Jonathan Morgan continued with a 1-0 win away at Southampton, thanks to Courtney Sweetman-Kirk's second-half goal. Crystal Palace and Charlton ended the season all square in a South London derby. Dee Bradley's stoppage time winner saw Durham come from behind to win at Lewis and Blackburn won 1-0 at Sunderland. Now in the National League, again Megan, it's a heartbreak for you. I know you do a bit for Wolves, don't you? And in the North, Nottingham Forest are champions of the North Division. They finished top on goal difference. They secured a 3-0 home win over Stoke City thanks to goals from Rebecca Anderson, Gianna Mitchell and Yasbin Mosby. Uh, Wolves did their bit by winning away at Brighouse, but ultimately came down to goal difference.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can't get more heartbreaking than that, really, can you? When you, you know, you you finish on the same points as the champions, but a goal difference you ultimately lose out to. But then you that makes you kind of just look back on the results that you probably should have got. For example, we lost to Fylde early on in January. Probably should have won that. Uh, Stoke uh, scored a really late equaliser against us in I think it was in February you know that's a game we probably should have won but then we also look at the game against Derby at home where there was a massive penalty shout that was not given uh, which the referee then apologised for after the game and said he should have given it that game was a 0-0 draw in the end and you kind of look back and think if the referee had given that and we had won the game 1-0 then it would have been a totally different story but no I mean Props to Nottingham Forest. They they invested so much money last summer, and we knew that they were going to be, you know, contenders that were going to kind of be forced to be reckoned with. It was kind of us, Forest, and Burnley, kind of a three way. But when we beat Burnley uh, last week, it was kind of between us and Forest, and we were kind of hoping, you know, we we needed Forest to drop those points. But it was it was a routine win for Forest in the end
0: heartbreak again though, for the second year in a row because of course you lost the the super playoff last year against Southampton we'll get on to the super playoffs in a minute but you'll be hoping it's third time lucky next season
2: Yeah I mean you've got to look at the past two seasons and think you know we're only going to get better obviously it'll be interesting to see who goes and who comes in the transfer window in the summer but Dan McNamara has done an incredible job he's been at the club about five and a half years now and You know, I think people will start saying we have to go up next season. Like it's kind of not unforgivable, but because we've missed out twice, we have to do it this time. But yeah, I mean, other clubs will definitely invest this summer. I think obviously Burnley will be up there again. Derby women had a very good season this season, so it'll be interesting. But yeah, I think we we need to go up next season.
0: In the South, Oxford United were the champions as they beat Gillingham 5-1. Goals from Leah Burridge, Reva Castle, a double from Daisy McLaughlin and Natasha Stevens saw them pip Watford to the title. Watford had beaten Oxford on Thursday to take the title to the final day and they had started the day top but were pipped by the Yellows. And they, won the- they will now face a promotion shootout against Forest at Stadium NK on the 20th of May. And Megan with bang this drum regarding both North and South winners going up and again it's going to be harsh on one of them that they aren't going to go up really but from next season the structure will change that means two will be relegated from the championship and both the north and south champions will go up so this is a massive moment isn't it
2: oh I mean absolutely incredible I think it's been a long time coming that's for sure I think why is it really happening in the first place but you know, it's it's not the players aren't gonna have in the back of their minds, oh, we can win the league, but we then have to go and play another game. From next season, that's not going to be the case. You'll win the league and that they'll know that they're gonna, you know, go up into the championship. So in that regard, it's incredible. But also for to push women's football forward, it's just a massive step. And to have two coming down from the championship will make the championship more competitive as well. There won't just be the one team that will be sat at the bottom, thinking, oh, we're going down. It'll be, you know, very tight between all the teams at the bottom next season. And
0: David, it's it's been weird. I mean, I don't know why this hasn't come in earlier, but uh, it's great news. And, and like Megan says, it'll be good for the championship because I know Coventry were, Coventry United were adrift, but the teams just above him. It was a it was a, a real fight, wasn't it? And and if there's another relegation place, all of a sudden you'll have other teams looking over the shoulder, won't you?
1: Absolutely. And you won't won't have teams in the area sort of thinking, you know, when Coventry United's relegation was sealed and they sort of think, Okay, well, that's our season done. We can sort of sit back and take it a bit easier now because we're not going to go up, but we're not going to go down. We're kind of just playing for the sake of it. But now you've got those at that extra place. You kind of think, yeah, those teams are going to have to really fight for it. And there are going to be a few more scraps and a few more... Six, uh, relegation six-pointers and things like that. Um, yeah, it is going to make it a much more exciting battle at the bottom.
0: And just below the north and south, Storowbridge be a grand old name in women's football, Doncaster Bells to the title in Division 1 Midlands. By the way, if you get a chance to check it out, go on the BBC Sport website. There's a really good article on Doncaster Bells on there about the demise of the club and why they are where they are now. And newcastle are level on points with Durham-Sestria in the North, Division 1 North. And they are top on a goal difference at the minute. Both have one fixture left this coming Sunday. newcastle to barnsley and Durham-Sestria are away at Charlies. So we will know next week who will be champions. In the South East, United are champions. They beat AFC Wimbledon to the title by four points. Hashtag beat QPR 4-0 on the last day of the season to seal the deal. And an exciting finishing store in the South West Division as well because Exeter City currently lie top. They've played all their games though. Cardiff have a better goal difference and a game in hand which they play this Sunday away at Moneyfields. Thanks David and Megan for joining us this week. Uh, Great to have you on. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast via all good podcasting platforms. And give us a follow on Twitter at TWFP1. And on Instagram, it's the Women's Football Podcast. Have a great week, everyone. The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2.